From BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan, with your host, Shane Frederick. This is the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan. My name is Shane Frederick, I'm the host, and joining me today is Minnesota State sophomore defenseman Jake Livingstone. How you doing today, Jake? Really good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Uh, good to meet you. Uh, we were just talking before we started recording about uh, uh, COVID last year and uh, Jake being a freshman. Uh, I didn't really get to know him very well. Saw him on the Zoom a few times, watched him play, but uh, didn't have that interaction that uh, I was so used to having for 20 years with uh, different guys going to practices and interviewing people after practice and and after games, so a little bit different situation. So it's great to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Um, a little bit about Jake. Uh, uh, timely that uh, that he's here today. Uh, he's the CCHA Defenseman of the Week after having a fine weekend against St. Thomas in a sweep over the. It wasn't really the weekend. It was Thursday, Saturday, with a nine-zero victory at home and a five-nothing win on Saturday up uh, in the Twin Cities. Um, Congratulations on that award and and what uh, how how did you guys how did you think you guys played this weekend? I thought we played really well. Uh, obviously, the back to back shutouts with Drido, he had a really good weekend. Our whole team was just kind of playing really well, uh, doing the little things right. Like even though it was a nine nothing game, I thought we kind of didn't let it get away from us and we stuck to the details, which is important. Uh, don't want to lose those good habits and don't want to uh, create bad ones. So. I just thought all around we had a good weekend from uh, top to bottom. You know, I I, I know that uh, game on on Thursday nine nothing. Uh, St. Thomas scores with 26 seconds left, and uh, there's a challenge for offsides. And I think a lot of outside observers would say, "Really, it's a nine nothing game. What does it matter?" But the shutout matters, right? I mean, as a player, there's got to be some appreciation for your coach to have his goaltenders back there and, and uh, f- from a defensive standpoint to know that, hey, that goal shouldn't have counted. Uh, got to give uh, Dryden, give him another notch on this very long belt of shutouts. Yeah, I agree. I, we have to give that one to Regner, our hockey ops guy. He kind of, he talked, I think he said it to Scoots and was like, hey, I think that was offside. And I mean, the more shutouts we can tally to Dryden, the better, you know, keep keep him going on that so that's kind of nice you know as a, a defenseman coming in I mean he had a lot of shutouts uh, his first two years you come in as a freshman last year um what was your first experience like you know having him backstopping you guys and, and and you know he had a really good strong start to the year last year as well uh with some shutouts you know what's it like having a goaltender like that behind you it's I'd say it's comforting it's nice to know you know he's got your back you make a bad player turnover or something i Ninety-five percent of the time, I'm sure Drydo's going to make the save. So you don't want to leave him out to dry too much. You know, right. you want to do your job. But I know it's a comforting feeling knowing that he's back there for sure. And for you, you're a, you're a guy who's not uh, not afraid to jump into the rush and 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 get some offense going. I mean, you have 15 points already in 14 games. That's one more than you had all of last year in 28 games. Uh, so on pace to to you know more than double your efforts. Uh, um, does it make you more comfortable to to you know, get your offense going when you have him playing back there the way he does? Yeah, I think it does. It helps, too, with your D partners and stuff and, like, the forwards. They do a good job of supporting you and, you know, covering for you or whenever you're up in the rush. Like, we don't really leave each other out to dry too much. 
Uh, I got to give credit a little bit to Reese Mullick, my D partner last year. Like he helped me out a lot with that. Yeah. Just knowing, I mean, I had him and then on top of that, I had Drido back there helping me out. So it made me a little more comfortable to just kind of be myself and make some plays and allowed me to make some mistakes and learn from them. Mm-hmm. So that I think was good. And my D partner this year, Wyatt, he helps me out too. Just another big solid guy back there that just kind of helps me be myself and really helps me learn every day. Nice to see him score a goal on, on, on Thursday night, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Proves that he's got a pretty pretty big shot too, yeah. if, he, if he big heavy shot if he needs it. Mm-hmm. It's lethal for sure. Well, I think one of the the you know the most uh, memorable plays in in your career here, just a little over a year, came in the the first round of the NCAA tournament last year, and um, I'm sure as a freshman coming in, it was told to you over and over the uh, the the tough luck that this program has had in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that game started off uh, falling behind. You had to make the big comeback, and and then of course in the in the third period, late late in the game with the goaltender pulled, uh, you make the the great rush up the ice, kind of, you know, power your way through and past a couple of uh, defenders and get down to the corner and uh, dish right out to, to Cade Borcher, right, for the for the game-tying goal. Um, of course, leads to the overtime uh, win with the, the Ryan Sandlin goal. But um, can you walk us through that? I know it's been a long time, and I know you're moved on. You're in a different season here, but we, we got you on the podcast here. And I, I just be interested in knowing what you kind of saw in that play um, and and what you decided to do. I mean, it's obviously pulled goaltender, desperate moments, um, but you certainly seemed like you weren't playing desperate there. Like, you, you had some purpose. Yeah, I mean, I think that whole game, we kind of just knew that that was our game. Like, we were – I think we had a tough start in the first period there, and they got off to – I think it was a two-goal lead in the first period. Yep. Or might have been – yeah, so <clears> – <throat> But then leading into the second, like, end of the first, like, we started really going, and, like, our offense was, like, offense's own play was just really good, like, holding possession pucks down low, and, like, we kind of knew, like, pucks just weren't going in. Goalie was making big saves and stuff like that, and, like, we just hit – we were hitting posts and stuff. I remember our first goal came in the second. It was uh, Dremco, and it was a dump in, and then it wrapped around. The guy missed a puck, and we shot it on net from the blue line. Right. And he tipped it, and it was, like – weird how a goal like that went in and so i think deep down we kind of knew like hey like i think we got this game like we got to keep pushing i know we're kind of snake bitten with tournament games and stuff like that like so just kind of through that play i mean there were a couple guys were out there for a while i remember uh nathan smith was on my left side when i entered the blue line and i remember he said to me he's like i'm happy he didn't pass me that puck because he was <laughs> hunched over and he's been out for a while and he's pretty he's in pretty good shape so he's been out there for a while for sure uh-huh. so I just remember that, and then I remember getting to the corner and this kind of peeking over my uh, right shoulder, and I saw I saw Borch, and I think Gerads was coming to the net, okay. and then I just kind of threw the puck that direction. Was like, hey, they're wide open, like it's gonna hit somebody, and Borch put in the net, and we were all just so shocked and just happy, <laughs> and yeah, I remember going into the uh, uh, period into overtime, and I just remember I was like, oh man, I like we are in this one, like we gotta have it, so we were all kind of buzzing. OT just took over again, and then uh, Sandy with the nice goal. Yeah, did you? It, it must have been just a. Uh, it must have been fun to be part of that, and, and just the way that played out, and, and kind of uh, watching a program's luck kind of kind of flip on its head a little bit. Yeah, it was really sweet, especially for those older guys. Like I said, like Reese and Jack and all those guys, and you saw you don't see coach like with a whole lot of emotion very often. And he showed some emotion coming into the dressing room and like he was fired up our whole team. Like it was good. 
for us, I guess, for as freshmen, me and Akito and like Greg and stuff, it was a little different because, I mean, we we want to go into that expecting, like, just like the whole team did. But I feel like in the back of those guys' heads, it was like, hey, like, geez, like, this has happened before. Like, here it comes mm-hmm. again. So for them to kind of get over that hump, who has been through it all and been through the program for so long, and they finally get over it and to see their excitement was really, really uh, huge and exciting for us. Uh, that's uh, it was it's a great moment and I, I think one that's uh i think between that goal and the, and the overtime winner uh just two great plays to watch and you know thank goodness for youtube and you can go back and people can watch that and enjoy it because the two two pretty special plays in, in in this program's history to to be quinnipiac and then you know go on and shut out uh, minnesota and get to the the first frozen four in team history yeah it was something special for sure that game against minnesota i mean we were just kind of rolling with the we we're kind of just rolling with our momentum that we had and obviously drido stands on his head again yeah and we just played really good defensive hockey and they just couldn't keep up with our speed and we just played hard and physical and they, i don't think they've seen something like that in a while so I think that was another game where, like, hey, like, we just got to play our game and we know we got this. Like, we're fine. Right. And, you know, and then you get the St. Cloud game and it's a uh, a back and forth uh, game when, with, a, with a crazy tip at the end. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you don't uh, get to the national championship game, but uh, a, a great uh, NCAA tournament nonetheless uh, to kind of get this program uh, maybe taken to a, another level. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that game was tough, obviously. It's like you don't really understand that like uh, when everybody says a game it's a game of inches until you see a tip like that go in and like it has to be that perfect and so stuff like that's hard but i mean it's good for a program like now we got that frozen four under our belt now if we get there this year it's going to be everybody's going to have more experience and we're all going to be way more ready for it so in a way it's good and uh just kind of it sucks to kind of bite that which i mean you got to do it sometimes, right? Well, this season, I mean, it's uh, you're you're over a quarter through, way through the season and uh, off to a great start. You guys are number one in the country again this week, um, and uh, you're on a little bit of a roll here, winning five in a row after that tough loss uh, at at Ferris State uh, on the Friday night. Uh, really, from the second period on, uh, from that game through right now, you guys have been. Uh, on a pretty good roll what what what's kind of been the what's flipped the switch would you say uh over that time i'd say we're not we're not complacent where we are right now like we know yeah you're number one in the nation like it means something i guess in a way but at the same time we know it literally kind of does mean nothing and i think that ferris game kind of gave us a wake-up call like hey we're not that good like we got to be dialed in every night and it kind of pushed us, I guess, every week from then on to kind of just keep improving because you never know other teams are improving too. So we just got to kind of keep getting better. And the coaching staff does a good job of that and keeping holding guys accountable. And we do that a uh, good job as teammates as well to hold each other accountable and just keep getting better so we know where we want to end at the end of the year. It's quite an offensive explosion over that time. I mean, with the, the I think the most stunning uh, result was probably the, uh, the nine goals you guys scored against uh, Bowling Green. Um, you know, who's been a really tough opponent, which I'm sure you found out about last year too. I mean, they're just tough and physical and uh, games have been close. There was a long stretch of games. I, I can remember where it seemed like every time uh, Minnesota State and Bowling Green played, there was a, a split um, and uh, one goal game, overtime game, whatever it might be. And uh, to see you guys put up nine that night, it just seemed like uh, uh, it was a little bit different uh 
situation to spend. And then you go into the next night and score three in the first period. It's it's kind of just uh, it, it was an impressive uh, barrage of goals, and you guys kind of kept it going. Yeah, I agree. I mean, definitely helps when we're at home too. Kind of when we get that first one or anything for momentum, and just kind of get the guys feeling good. But I've heard about the – a lot of guys will talk about the old Bowling Green team and how they're heavy, tough to play against. I remember our trainer, Matt Schmidt, he always says, like, we wouldn't get out of that weekend without somebody being hurt. And I'd right. talk to their trainer and their guys would be hurt. So, I mean, that kind of rivalry is just always good to have too. And yep. uh, obviously the teams have changed since then. But, I mean, it's good. It's good to have that rivalry still, especially after that uh, game. I think it was two years before I got here, the championship game yep. for the WCHA. Like that kind of stuff just builds rivalries, so it's always fun. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned playing at home and uh, that experience. Obviously, last year as a freshman, you come in and it's COVID year and very few people, if any, in the stands, depending on uh, you know when they started letting a few in. Uh, what was your first experience like this year uh, after going through it for a year with, with no fans, having some big crowds at St. Cloud State Series, for instance, uh, that you started the, the home schedule with and even the you know, Bowling Green weekend? What, you know, what was that like for you to, to experience uh, after you know, a year of kind of empty arenas? Yeah, I mean, it was good. I remember the biggest shock that I got was our first ever game that was in the UMass weekend when they were uh, raising the banner. Oh, sure. Yeah, I remember going out and uh, I was going on the bench with Wyatt and uh, Celia and we always do our thing and it was before we even get dressed and the crowd was packed and I was like, holy, like this is what it's like. You have no idea, right? Like, especially after last year, even the Frozen Four, it was like, there's barely anybody in the stands. Right. I think it'd be packed. So that was my first experience where I'm like, holy, like this is nuts. I remember they were chanting overrated to dry to and warm up <laughs> and stuff like that. But the first game at home is always cool. You always see like the uh, pre-game, I guess, like uh, where they announce the starting lineup and stuff and that one song that always gets going. I always talk about it with Borch when they show like the highlights and stuff from sure. the Jumbotron. That kind of gets you going in the crowd. It starts yelling and stuff. So the home games, we're always pretty lucky to have the pretty packed building every night. So it's always something good. And you never want to take it for granted, really. I'm I'm lucky that I had that first year with COVID because now I'm like every game, I'm like this is sweet. Like oh, you it, enjoy it more. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that you kind of appreciate that, and yeah, it, it's a great atmosphere. And as I mentioned to you before, I, I covered the team for 20 years, and there, you know, there were some tough times when the crowds weren't into it, or the students weren't showing up, or there was no band. And now it's just that great college experience with, yeah. the, with the band. I don't know how much you can hear them from wh where you are. Yeah, and stuff, pretty but good every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. It's always good, though. I, I We enjoy it. I mean, we kind of we got to put on a good show for the fans to keep coming back. So that's a good sign that they do, which is nice. And it's just always we're really fortunate to have them show up. And as many as they do, it's nice. You say put on a good show. I mean, Coach Hastings talks about that a lot of that. You know, that it's hard because you're you're in a you're playing a sport you're thinking about your your future as a as a hockey player. If you got professional aspirations, which I'm sure you do, and a lot a lot of your teammates do, um, but at the same time, you're kind of in you're in this kind of entertainment aspect. People go there, they buy a ticket, they're they're socially they they want to experience something that's a lot of fun. Whether it's the band, the crowd, uh, the between period stuff. Um, but then it falls upon you guys to, to put on a good show. Yeah. <laughs> make sure you score some goals, yeah. make sure you, you know, protect your goaltender. Um, you know, that, that puts a little bit of extra pressure on you to, to make sure at least at home that you're, you know, putting on a good show. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a good thing though. 
I mean, a lot of guys perform like better under pressure, you know, if there's more fans and stuff like that, you just kind of feel that energy. I feel like it goes both ways. You just build off each other really to help. And like they do a good job of keeping energized to help us perform well. Cause some nights, I mean, I'm sure we're not playing our best and they're still being loud. So I think we just feed off each other like in, in a way. And that's really good. That's what home whole building's all about. So, right. Uh, did you experience any of that did, when you came in for a visit, uh, when you were being recruited, when, when you came to MSU, did you, did you have, was it a good night, a uh, good crowd night or anything like that? Yeah, I came, my visit, I came, it had been two years ago when they, I think it was two years ago when they had the uh, ASU at home, okay. the home opener. Sure. That's back nights. Yeah. So I came for the first game and then I had a game two nights after. So I had to go home right after, but yeah, it was packed. Like it was sweet. It was like, it was one of those things where I'm like, yeah. And I, I remember coming here, this is the first school I came to. And I uh, had plans to go on visits other places. And I just remember when I left, I was like, I told my mom and dad, like, this is it. Like, I'm coming here. Like, that's it for me. And I just didn't even bother. I just told those other schools, like, hey, I'm done. Wow. Yeah. What and was it? What 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 really flipped it for you? What what made you decide that? Um, I think it was more, obviously, the coaching staff had a huge thing to do with that. And then, obviously, the players that they develop and stuff like that and the type of people they are. Yeah. Like, I mean, I could lift, go around our whole locker room and tell you like a single thing where I'm like, I, they're all great humans. Like they're all genuine. They all care. Like they, we all care about each other. Like we're all just like, there's just things that you wouldn't, you wouldn't see if you didn't come. And it's just like, we're just a huge family. Like I remember I had a meeting with coach when I, on my visit and he was just talking about like, Hey, we're a family here. Like obviously your family at home comes first. And that's important to me. Cause I'm a huge huge family guy like stuff like that so he's like that comes first but after that it's like it's our family here it's like the Mav family is what he calls it all the time so that whole aspect of it I was like you know what like this is it for me like this is what I want to be I want somebody that's going to push me every day I want people that are going to push me every day but then when I leave the rink you know if I'm not doing so well somebody's going to be like hey are you okay like and they're going to know me well enough to be like he's not doing all right right Mm -hmm. Uh, and born and raised in BC. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so quite, quite a long jaunt to, to Mankato from there. Yeah. Um, did you have, uh, aspirations of college hockey as a, as a young kid? I mean, did you know a lot about college hockey? I'm sure everyone wants to be a, I don't know, you're probably a Canuck, right? I, I assume. Is that, was, is that your team? No, or, I, no I'm not. No, a, I hate no. the Canucks. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a fan of the Canucks. I'm a, I'm a Flames guy myself. Okay. All yeah. right. I don't know why. I shouldn't assume, I guess. Yeah. Right? You know? <laughs> my whole life, me and my brother have always hated like the Sedins, like just everything <laughs> about the Canucks. We we couldn't have been happier when Boston came back from a three-one deficit. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean, it was. I never really had much of like college growing up. I think is when I got to Langley and my junior team there, mm-hmm. and I started thinking to myself like, hey. Like, this is where I'm going to, like, thrive. Because I was a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm going to have to take my route if I want to do what I love for the rest of my life. So I started thinking about that, and I had to kind of get my grades together because okay. I didn't think that – I didn't think I was going to go to school. So I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's not important. I had, to, I had to get my grades together for two years, and then I kind of thought to myself, like, yeah, this is it for me. And I'm, uh, I remember I committed to Fairbanks my 19-year-old year, and I thought to myself, like, okay, like, I really want to go to school. And it started becoming a thing, like, I can't wait. And then with what was going on with the program, I decided to leave, and then it ended up being, like, holy, like, this is really a thing for me. Like, more schools are interested kind of thing. Oh, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Was that at the time when the Alaska schools were going through some uh, – Yeah. A th- th- lot of questions about their future that first time yeah. around before they, they kind of got their footing again and obviously uh, – 
they're kind of going through that again. Alaska's mm-hmm. playing this year, but Anchorage is not. So it's uh, interesting up there right yeah, now. Yeah, that's why I was just like, yeah, maybe for my future, I should try and look elsewhere, which kind of sucks at the same time because I'm a pretty loyal person. Like once I commit to something and to you or whatever, I'm usually, I'm like, I'm going to stick there. Yeah. But I remember having a long conversation with my family and being like, okay, this is just not, not the right fit for me. It's tough. I mean, that's just a, a tough situation. And if you can find something that uh, works out better and, and uh, you know, that's hopefully no hard feelings either way and you, yeah. you, you make it work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm very thankful for it. I mean, the best decision of my life, I think, when I, I decided to come here. So I'm happy about that. You're uh you just finished uh, the home and home with St. Thomas. You're heading to Lake Superior State this weekend. Uh, a little travel on Thanksgiving Day, going to yeah. uh, the Sioux. Um, did you guys play up there last year? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, we okay. did. Okay, yeah. so can be. Uh, it, I know that can be a tough place to play when there's a crowd there. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be interesting. I know Coach Hastings has talked about that a lot. It can be some unique fan experiences yeah. uh, at the at the at that arena. So. Uh, but you know it's a it's a it's a long trip. You you go way up there to uh, the uh, eastern end of the Upper Peninsula, and and then take that long bus ride home afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll have to see. I mean, it should be a good weekend. We're all looking forward to it. Any weekend we get to play, it's just one of those things like we took for granted years before until last year when weekends got taken away from us. So sure. now we're just thankful to go wherever. Sometimes you like to go other places more than others, but at the same time, you're just thankful to go and be able to play hockey. Did you have a, a favorite road trip last year, even though the uh, without the crowd, or are you kind of developing that this year a little bit? Yeah, well, favorite road trip in general would probably been either Loveland or the Frozen Four. The Frozen sure. Four was sweet. It's a sweet experience for sure. And being a Pittsburgh, I've never been kind of, I've never been to Colorado either. That was cool for me. Just kind of that whole experience there. That was sweet. Um, a lot of guys say they like Bemidji and like Tech or Northern, those type of schools. Yeah. So, I mean, I did. We went to Tech and Northern and Bemidji last year. I like the Bemidji one. Just kind of everything's around the rink. You just got to walk to the rink whenever. The yep. hotel's right there. That's so really that's nice. kind of nice. Yeah. It's a tough building to play into, even without fans. So I don't know if I have a favorite in the division yet, though. Yeah, just wait till you get to Tech with fans. That's another, that's another yeah, place so, with a yeah. really good band, really good atmosphere. Good crowd that's into it. Uh, I still have some headaches in my head from some of the <laughs> some of the games yeah. there with the band going on, especially when uh, uh, when their team's on the po- uh, on the penalty kill when mm-hmm. you're on the power play. Uh, I think that's when they 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 clang their they clang the bell really? over and over and over yeah. again. So. Yeah, see, I didn't experience that last year, so I'm not sure. I'll be oh. in for a rude awakening. I'm sure. That's right. A lot to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. it's it's, it, it's pretty great. Yeah. Well, Jake, I really appreciate you coming on to the the podcast. Uh, it's great to get to know you a little bit, and I uh, wish you nothing but luck the rest of the way here this uh, this season. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you as uh, well. U.S. Thanksgiving. Yeah, you are, I was the Canadian say, one's already mine. happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you celebrated that one too. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right. Well, this has been the Maverick Hockey Live podcast brought to you by Duncan. That's uh, Jake Livingstone, and I'm Shane Frederick. We'll see you next time. 